This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, I normally say, as usual with me in studio, is my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz Marchese is joining us on the line this morning. Naz, good morning. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Great. Also joining me in studio, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Butch, how are you this morning? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure having you here. It's it's really hard to believe, but this is the last, not only the last show of the year, it's the last show of the decade. Uh, Pretty awesome. We're getting old, Butch. <laughs> I'm not getting any older. <laughs> You're getting older. I've I got take, news I've for t- you. I've taken a woman's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> last show of the decade. Uh, the, the, you know, that's... Uh, Pretty different. I mean, where did these ten years go? It's hard to believe. Uh, and uh, I guess at some point in the show, we'll talk about uh, some of the significant changes in the sporting world over the course of the last ten years. Uh, coming up, the middle of the hour, uh, the host of uh, the morning show on TSN Radio, uh, the co-host of the morning show on TSN Radio, uh, Carlo Koliakovo. We're going to get a chance to talk to him about the World Juniors, which is on over uh, overseas, and also, I guess we'll talk some NHL. We'll talk some. Leafs. Naz, out of deference for you, I don't get to I don't get to uh, tell our listeners what you're wearing in studio this morning. My guess is you're at home and you probably might be wearing a Buffalo Bills jersey or infamous Bruce Smith seventy eight jersey. Uh, Bills are uh, at a wearing my Leafs hat. Wearing my Toronto Leafs hat. Okay, you're wearing your Leafs hat. Bills, um, not a big game today. They're they're in the playoffs, but. Uh, I guess they want to get ready. They want to get rolling for the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're heading towards a matchup with with the Texans, Houston. That's correct. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be an away game. Uh, they had a pretty decent game against uh, the Patriots um, last Saturday. Um, they had the ball in their hands, uh, first and goal on the eight yard on New England eight uh, yard line in the last minute of the game. Uh, they could have tied it up. Uh, who knows whether they would have gone for the two-point conversion or not. I suspect they would have kicked the uh, the extra point and gone to overtime. And that was, uh, you know, and, you, and it was an important game for the Patriots, too. They weren't running out the uh, the season. They they needed to win that one. Uh, they need to secure a bye in the first, uh, and they need to win today as well. Uh, so the, the Bills held their own, um, which was positive. But then when they needed it to go one way, the last series of that game, they went backwards. Uh, size up the Bills for us, Ness. The more they play those type of games, Wally, the better they're going to be. Because they learn from experience. The pretty, the pretty young teams, especially on defense. And uh, the Bills, the, the Bills. I wouldn't want to play them if I were any team in the uh, AFC for sure. Uh, Butch, you're a keen student of all things football. Um, the Bills, of course, uh, is a, is a. We've got listeners in Western New York, uh, 
Uh, we've got and uh, big Bills fans uh, all through Southern Ontario. Uh, I, I, I tend to agree with Naz. The Bills, because of their defense, is the team that a lot of the upper echelon teams don't want to face. And especially if, if, if playing conditions get nasty, uh, if it starts snowing out there and if it's 20 degrees below zero, defense tends to become more important. Uh, your assessment of how you see the playoffs playing out for the Bills? Bills are very well coached and uh, extremely aggressive. Um, the one they got against Dallas, um, I was very impressed with uh, New England. I thought they should have at least had a chance to tie the game being that close. Uh, Those are moments that make quarterbacks define offensive coordinators. They didn't get it done. But I'm not worried about them going to Houston. Houston has hosted a playoff game, I believe, the last two out of three years and lost uh, both of those games. So if there's a, a place where they have a chance and there's some bad karma in the building for a team that has hosted a playoff, games it is playing at Houston so I think they should be the fact that they went into Dallas and won uh, so they've gone to Texas and won Um, I think their chances are very good but I'm very impressed with uh, the growth of their defense their special teams has been good they've not given up any if their defense can just get the offense some turnovers and then the offense has got to capitalize on those turnovers you know it's it's a situation where um, where you see in football where you can get momentum to, to change. The really good coaches are good at calling timeouts and maximizing momentum. And uh, historically, we've seen that on the NCAA level and, and the NFL level. But Buffalo is a very good football team. They just need to get some mo on their side. Yeah, you know, playoffs is all about uh, it's all about quarterbacking. Uh, generally, you're not going to win in a playoff game unless your quarterback's outstanding. Uh, that's generally the 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 path way to a, to a Super Bowl victory, Naz. And of course, the spotlight is going to become ever more glaring on uh, Josh Allen. He's uh, he's the ticket to the promised land, has been since he was drafted. Uh, heading into the playoffs, um, you know, there's parts of his game that that are concerning. Um, um, what's your assessment of Josh Allen um, in his ability to take his game to a different level in the playoffs, Ness? Well, Josh Allen, he does his, most of his work with his legs. He has, uh, he's a great running quarterback, and he gets out of jams a lot when uh, he's in trouble with his legs. But uh, if you look at Josh Allen in the last half of the year, he doesn't turn the ball over like he did at the beginning of the year. And that's the key to success because the Bills don't turn the ball over very much. But a quarterback's got to make plays, Butch. And, you know, you're looking at uh, a couple of pretty strong teams uh, uh, in your path in the AFC. Of course, we're talking about the New England Patriots and we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And talking about making plays, the quarterback down in Baltimore is is about as good as anybody I've seen in a long time. And Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Um, so certainly the Patriots and the Ravens look like they uh, uh, are headed towards, unless something dramatic happens, maybe headed towards a, a battle to fight it out to who goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, so on that side, on the other side, you've got the Packers. 
you got a combination of Seahawks, 49ers, and whoever else comes through out of that. Uh, how are you seeing these uh, playoffs shaping up? Bush? I see it that the young quarterbacks, uh, even Baltimore's quarterback, um, regular season does not transfer, have to transfer to the playoffs. Right? The When you talk about the really good quarterbacks, um, what they did in the regular season, for some reason it transfers into the playoffs for them. And Jackson, as good as he's been this year, um, he really struggled in the playoffs last year. Um, team gets a lockdown on him. Uh, he was playing at home last year in the playoffs and just couldn't get it done, couldn't find a way out. Um, I think he has vastly improved over uh, his play last year. He has shown that he can throw the ball, sidearm, straight. Um, I think the offensive coordinator came in and put in the three tight end package has really helped him. Um, but I see a young man, uh, when he asked his coach to go for it on fourth down in Seattle, you know, that to me was a growth point that his voice was strong enough and, and his, his soul was strong enough that his head coach said, okay, go back on the field. Cause he said he didn't want to give Russell Wilson a football back. And, um, those are the kind of defining moments when, you know, the greatest teams have the greatest leaders in the locker room. You know, football is a grown man's sport. It's a collision every three seconds. And you just, when you see a leader step up and say, I respect the guy I'm playing against so much that I don't want him to be successful through my own choices. And so that's what you want to see in the playoffs. A lot of young quarterbacks can't, can't get there. They don't understand that it takes that much to do that. Talking about uh, young quarterbacks uh, segues me into, uh, I wouldn't say old quarterbacks, but a more experienced quarterback. Of course, we're talking about uh, Tom Brady. And you can never underestimate the New England Patriots at this time last year, Naz. I remember a very similar show. The, the, the Patriots were sort of limping into the playoffs. They had to do most of it on the road. And and lo and behold, um, and the amazing part about the Patriots last year and the Patriots this year, historically the strength of the Patriots has been the offense. It's been Brady, it's been Gronkowski, it's been Wes Welker, it's been whomever else was, you know, uh, you know they have a revolving door of running backs over the years. Uh, but uh, all the receivers, it's always we always talked about the New England Patriots offense last year. The defense won them the Super Bowl, and this year it seems like the New England Patriots defense is the strength of the team rather than the offense, and if they're headed to a showdown, if they make it to a showdown with the Baltimore Ravens, that may be the ticket for the Patriots to go through. Uh, Naz, your thoughts on that? Well, we don't forget the Kansas City Chiefs. No, I I, I agree. We, uh, we 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 shouldn't be forgetting them because they gave uh, they gave the I wouldn't say they gave the Patriots a spanking, but uh, they caused the Patriots fans to start booing uh, a few weeks back. So, uh, uh, finish your thought on that one, Ness. Yeah, Kansas City is going to learn from last year too. I think they have a real good shot of making it into the Super Bowl. The last five games, they uh, haven't. Uh, they've been very well on defense. And they have a great quarterback in, in their own right. So I look at Kansas City to be the uh, in the uh, in it at the end. Who do you see coming out of the uh, NFC? 
Oh, it's hard to say. I, you know, I, I, th- I think the Green Bay Packers, if they get home field advantage, they're going to the Super Bowl. Butch? If they if the Packers get home field advantage, it will be awfully cold for anyone to go up there <laughs> and be successful. The only team I think would have a chance at it would be the 49ers because of their defense. And I think you have to remember with New England is that they have historically they've had a huge huge advantage if they have home field advantage, and they've not been very good if they had to go win on someone else's turf. There's two things that New England has an Achilles heel about. They've not been very successful against the Ravens historically, and they've not been successful when they've had to go win a championship, the AFC championship, on, a, on another opponent's field. So, Although I, they managed to do it last year. <laughs> they, they did manage to do it last year. But, I mean, they're, you know, they're good. They're, this is the most depleted offensive um, New England Patriots that we've seen probably in the last 12 years. You know, he just Brady just doesn't have very many weapons. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got he's a Tom very, Brady. But he's got a very good head coach off. <laughs> you got so, Belichick. So right. if there's any if there's any combination that can figure a way through their uh, their difficulty, it's got to be it, it has to be the New England Patriots. Uh, anyway, it's going to be interesting. Uh, there's there's some shuffling that's going to happen in some of the games today. There some games still mean something in terms of who's playing who and. Uh, and and how how every, all the all the chairs are going to line up for uh, for the playoffs. So uh, there's still a lot on the line today, and uh, we'll see how that plays out as we go forward. And while we're still on the subject of football, uh, of course, uh, college football is into its uh, uh, into its uh, playoff season. Of course, there's there's nine million bowl games. Butch, when I was a kid, I I mean, once I got past the Cotton and the Orange Bowl, and I can't remember the Rose Bowl. Uh, there weren't that many bowls in those days. Now they got all kinds of. There's a new one every year. There's a, now my favorite, my beloved Notre Dame Fighting Irish, end up in something called the Camping World Bowl, and we we chatted with Joe Theismann about that last <laughs> Sunday, and he goes, "You got to be kidding me." Yep, that's Camping World is big in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'll give I'll give the Irish credit. They looked fantastic yesterday. They they uh, you know aside from one brutal effort against Michigan this year. They had a pretty good season, and uh, you know the reality is they bit they beat uh, I wouldn't say a really good Iowa State team, but they beat a, a competitive Iowa State team yesterday. Not just beat them, but handled them fairly easily. And uh, kudos to the my to my beloved Fighting Irish. It was a great finish to the season. Hopefully, they get rewarded in the final polls. I I I would hope that that would put them into the top ten. They uh, they played like that the last seven or eight games of the season. Yeah, well, the off the air last time, uh, Butch uh, predicted Clemson doing well. It's uh, not too bad. Well, you know what, Butch is uh, he's uh, he's uh, he can he can predict the future too. But uh, Clemson, to me, yesterday, I wouldn't say fortunate. Uh, I will give them credit. They took advantage of what was given to them. I'm not. I'm not convinced they were the better team on the field yesterday. I've never seen a football game, and just in case our listeners missed it, uh, uh, Clemson beat Ohio State last night, twenty nine twenty three. Ohio State was leading sixteen nothing. I think it was in the second quarter, and they had the game well under control. And then I wouldn't say things started to unravel, Butch, but things started going Ohio State's way in terms of some officiating calls. Uh, one of their key defenders got ejected from the game from, uh, what do they call it, targeting, Target, yes. uh, which was very controversial in terms of the way it happened. 
Um, mixed reviews on that. That seemed to change the entire momentum of the game. There was a couple of other officials' calls in that game. I wouldn't say they were bad calls because they weren't debatable. Uh, you know, they weren't obviously bad calls. Uh, you could debate them. The Ohio State fans are going to see it one way. The Clemson fans are going to see it a different way. But those controversial officials' calls really changed. Those calls go a different way, and I can tell you Ohio State wins that game. That's a game Ohio State had, and somehow it got away from them. The other game, LSU, forget it. Oklahoma was a terrible team. Didn't deserve to be. <laughs> they didn't deserve to be in the top four. I said it. Georgia should have been there. Uh, any there's been Three or four other teams should have been. The, the Big 12 is vastly overrated. Uh, Oklahoma got thumped, got thumped by LSU. Uh, this kid in the LSU quarterback, seven touchdowns in the first half. It was just, it was, it was embarrassing, but. Butch, I want you to comment on the Ohio State-Clemson game. You said Clemson was going to win it all. I want you to revisit that, given LSU's performance yesterday, and also comment on the Ohio State-Clemson uh, State uh, game. Should it, should Ohio State have won that game? Ohio State uh, could not execute the pa- their passing game against Clemson for whatever reason. But also you have a first-year head coach against a – Wiley veteran Dabo. So at the end of the second quarter, uh, Clemson gets the touchdown off of the targeting. They go on and score. And Ohio, they, they kick off to Ohio State. And after the first play, Dabo calls a timeout. And Dabo and his defensive coordinator are out there raising hell with their guys, getting them rallied up because they want to get a stop to get the ball back to potentially run their two-minute drill. That two-minute drill ends up into a a run-pass option for a touchdown, a 60-yard touchdown run by the quarterback. And the game changed because of a timeout. Then me watching college basketball, I mean, but college football, which I thoroughly enjoy, Southeast Conference football, Kirby Smart and Dabo are two of the best at calling timeouts when other people would let their team choke. They do not let the team fall on their face. They will overrule the coordinator, run down the field, call a timeout. And that timeout, I think, was extremely important. You guys know my history, I believe. Timeouts, you have to be extremely efficient in using them. That's what they're there for. Coaches don't. In basketball, college basketball, you'll see coaches lose games in the NCAA tournament because they're waiting for a TV timeout. Like, okay, your your team's never come back from 15-1, to 1, but you're going to wait for the TV time. So he took the time out of three minutes. It was inspiring um, from a coaching analytical standpoint because he knew that he needed to change the tide, and he took that time out, and, and it did. The You know, the calls are going to be the calls, but I basically think that the Ohio State first-year head coach, he didn't know how to take a game. Yeah. He just wanted to win the game. He he didn't understand. He, he didn't you, realize the what was going on out there in terms of momentum. That's correct. You sometimes you just have to you have to save your players save you most of the time. They saved him thirteen times this year, right? And and they needed him to save them once in a game yesterday. And for whatever reason, and I just believe inexperience, not understanding the aggression, enthusiasm he needed to show. He needed to raise the level. As Dabu decided to raise it, because Dabu was he was walking the plank, he was getting ready to have his great Clemson team, 
you know, that should go undefeated. I do believe Clemson will go in there and beat LSU. But I don't think it'll be easy. I think LSU is really good. But you, know, think, you know they're playing in New Orleans. I, it, <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't give a hoot. Like, <laughs> let me it's tell a home you, game for LSU. Let, let me tell you, if, let me, if they don't have enough things going their let, way, it's a home me, game for let them. Let me tell you the last time LSU <laughs> played in the Sugar Bowl, okay. all right, for the national championship, and the whole week in Louisiana, because I was yeah, down there, okay. all right, the dummies played all Be careful. These, the, the LSU dummies played Careful all with your language, Butch. Okay, they played all these all these commercials the whole week, showing the great history of LSU yeah. football. All right. Well, they were playing Alabama, and the Alabama kids are sitting in the hotel watching all this. All right. So what I guarantee, because it is LSU, yeah. the LSU alums own the stations, and they're going to run all this promotional stuff. Talking about the grandeur of LSU, but the game has to be won on the field. No question. I, I think. I think LS. I think what yesterday may have created was a certain level of overconfidence on LSU's part, overconfidence that isn't deserved because they 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 you know LSU's a, a great team, but Oklahoma's you know what they didn't deserve to be there, and they and LSU just pummeled them. Nas uh, Clemson LSU. It's January thirteenth. There's a two week hiatus here. Uh, size that game up for us. Butch has got Butch is putting his money behind Clemson. I'm putting my money behind Clemson. All oh, surprising. What's your analysis? Well, LSU doesn't play defense very, very not very well. They're offensively gifted, but they have some holes on defense, and Clemson could take advantage of it. Well, well, certainly it's going to be an interesting game. I haven't seen the line yet. My my gut instinct tells me LSU is going to be, I'd say, five to seven point favorite based on yesterday's shellacking. But uh, we'll see how that one comes out. We've got to go to break. And when we come back from the break, we'll be talking to TSN's Carlo Koliakovo. But we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decided to stone bake our pizzas the traditional way. That was over 50 years ago. Since then, the big pizza conglomerate started cooking their pizzas on conveyor belts, like you see at the airport. Now you can choose authentic Italian stone-baked pizza or pizza you could mistake for luggage. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. 
To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM live video streaming. www. ZoomerRadio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour a co-host from TSN's Morning Sports Talk Radio Show, Carlo Koliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. How are you? Hey, guys. Good morning. Good. Happy, th- uh, Merry Merry Christmas uh, belated, but uh, Happy New Year. Thanks so much, and all the best to you and your family as well, Carlo. Just so you're going to hear some strange voices coming at you this morning, in studio with me is Butch Carter, former Raptors coach, and on the phone joining us is my co-host, Naz Marchese. So we might hit you from all sides here, Carlo. Right on, right on. Anyways, we just had a very spirited debate about uh, Clemson LSU and uh I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity for you to chime in on this one. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us your prediction of the uh, national championship game based on yesterday's results. Well, I've always been, uh, you know, I think I think after the quarter point of the season, I've always been a huge fan of Joe Burrow um, and Ed Orgeron of the LSU Tigers. I really love uh, the swagger that Ed Orgeron, the coach of the Tigers, um, represents. Um, I think Joel Burrow has uh, been an absolute superstar this year. And as good as Clemson's been with Trevor Lawrence's QB, uh, 25-0 is his record. Um, I still like my chances with uh, the LSU Tigers. I think they're just uh, too well-rounded, both offensively and defensively. And uh, Clemson, uh, you know, I think they, they they snuck away with one last night. I thought I thought Ohio State was the better team for most of the game. and. So I guess that's what championship pedigree does to you. It finds, finds you ways to win in the most important moments. Uh, just so you're aware, Carlo, uh, I'm going to cast, uh, I'm going to cast a vote on this one. I'm, I'm casting my vote for LSU. Butch and Naz 
are picking uh, Clemson. So we, we ended up in a deadlock on that one. So we'll see what happens on uh, on January 13th. Anyways, the Toronto Maple Leafs on a little bit of a run uh, yeah. have kept the fan base happy. Uh, can't say that I'm entirely thrilled with how they're winning some of these games. But last night... Uh, a little bit of their defensive sloppiness uh, caught up with them, uh, although I will give them credit that they fought back from a 4-2 deficit and tied it with the with uh, Anderson on the bench. Um, had an opportunity. Riley had the game on his stick in overtime. Rangers came back the other way, and they won the game. Um, uh, not entirely displeased with the effort in coming back last night, but uh, if you want to be critical, uh, we kind of don't like some of the things we see in the back end uh carlo what are you seeing uh, we've had a run we're we're like yeah. we're you know back in second place everybody should be happy but there's there's a sense that they're just not playing exactly the way we'd like them to see them play well i, I think i think the run they had was out of necessity um i think this was something they needed um you know, to to recognize that uh, the importance of it uh, to get them back in the, into a comfortable spot, uh, get them back to uh, feeling confident about themselves. Listen, I'm not going to lie; I, I, it's been a lot of fun watching this Maple Leafs team over the last three weeks um, because you're 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 watching the team that you envisioned right from the start of the season, and uh, you're seeing the skill player the, the skill come out. You're seeing the best players uh, stand out on a nightly basis. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, definitely uh, a lot to be concerned about with this team, especially over the last couple of games. And I don't know if it's a mentality heading into a break, coming out of a break, where you just tend to lose your focus and um, you know get away from your structure a little bit because you have so much going well for you. There's one thing we know about this Maple Leafs team is they can score and they can score in bunches, and that's that's an exciting part. But uh, sometimes the, the, the tendencies when you're, when that's happening so easy and so much, you lose focus on the defensive end. And that's a lot of what's being exposed right now with this Maple Leafs team. Um, you know, they're, they're giving up way too many scoring chances, high quality scoring chances. Um, they're having, uh, defenses don't breakdowns, even offenses don't breakdowns when they turn the puck over their, their, their forward that's playing the support guy is still cheating on offense, not being a, a, a defensive support where, you know, they're giving up breakaways right from, right from the opposition's blue line. So, um, I think a lot to be encouraged about, uh, winning six in a row, uh, getting a point out of last night's game, finding ways to come back in games that they're trailing. But I, I think they even know that this is a brand of hockey that can't be sustainable moving forward. They've got to find a way to clean up their turnovers. They've got to find a way to clean up their breakouts. And uh, they got to find a way to continue to clean up their defensive end because there's a lot going well offensively for this team. But everybody knows at this time of the season, after Christmas, and especially after this next um, bye week break that they coming up, things are going to get a lot tighter in the NHL. And, um, you know, that's 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 the difference that, that's going to take this team from the, to, to the next level. Uh, Butch, I'm going to turn it over to you. And then, Naz, I want, to, I want you to pipe in on this. Uh... We had a brief chat during the break um, about this, and you've got some thoughts on this as well, Butch. Their back-end turnovers are so bad. I mean, not only they're turning over, but it's like they don't have a clue yeah. of, what, of what's going on. I mean... Well, clearly, um, they're, 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 they're not being assertive when they need to be. Um, they're, they're, because they're scoring so many goals and they're feeling so good offensively, 
Um, and they feel like they can come back from any deficit that they have because clearly they showed it. They showed it against Carolina. They showed it against New Jersey. And last night again, they showed it in the third period, coming back from two games down, two goals down. Um, as a player, uh, when, when you feel like that uh, you're, you're constantly chasing the game, you lose focus on, on playing defense. And a lot of that, they're, they're playing a high-risk game. Um, they, they're they're, they're in the D zone, they're making um, a, a lot of high percentage passes through the middle of the ice that are getting picked off. Um, they're giving up a lot of breakaways. They're giving up some scoring chances. And Fred, let's be honest, Freddie Anderson hasn't been his same old self in the last couple of games either. So um, they played a lot of hockey in a short period of time. It's always difficult to come out out of a break when you haven't done anything and all you've done is eat for three days. And playing back to back nights, and uh, maybe that has something to do with uh, their lack of focus. But uh, another thing that they've suffered is a bunch of injuries. Um, you know, they've had uh, some key guys uh, get hurt over the last couple of games. Um, that you know, it's, it's unfortunate for to see a guy like Mikheyev go go down and suffer what I like to categorize as a catastrophic injury. Um, you know, with the laceration of the wrist, he's a guy that was playing so well, um, you know, killing penalties, uh, being really resourceful uh, with his skill sets and, you know, losing Jake Muzzin too. Now you, now you, you lose a guy like that who's on your shutdown pair with Justin Hall, who's been playing uh, extremely well. And you add in a Martin Marinson. Well, now, now you've got to coach differently too. So, um, this is something that, that they've had to deal with too, but, I mean, as bad as everything's been all year, they've, they've played a good stretch of hockey here. Unfortunately, last night they had a chance to win that game as much as they lost it. Uh, they just got to focus on the positives and clean up uh, the, the mistakes. Naz, any... Go ahead, Naz. Hard to never go away. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you would have thought when Babcock left, he would. Um, but uh, it, it's tough to say. I mean, to, to me, the, the disappointing thing is you know, well, I think the good thing is that for the most part this year, the defense has been uh, has been healthy. They've had a, a group of six guys that they've been able to rely on. But as a fan and as as an organization, when 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 you have to adjust to an injury like Jake Muzzin, and you're telling your fan base and your organization that your next best prospect is Martin Marinson. It doesn't bode very well, um, <laughs> especially if this is something that they're going to have to encounter, um, you know, over a long period of time. Uh, but um, you know, something we've been saying for months now is, um, you know, even when the coach coaching change was made, um, Kyle Dubis has to step up and make an impact move here. Um, whether it's acquiring a backup goalie, whether it's adding another defenseman, whether it's um, you know adding a, an impact uh, forward. Uh, a roll forward, wherever it may be, because um, you know they haven't had a full lineup where they've had to uh, maneuver with their roster with the salary cap all season. And I don't think they'll encounter it for the rest of the season now that Mikheyev's out for the rest of the year. But he has to do something uh, to help give him some more flexibility so that you're able to, um, you know, have a better option than Martin Marinson in the lineup. <laughs> 
So we're talking to Carlo Koliakovo, uh, co-host of uh, TSN's morning uh, show, Monday to Friday. I highly encourage you. Uh, he's with Mike Landsberg on TSN Radio 1050 in uh, in Toronto. Uh, highly encourage you to listen in. It's a great show. Uh, would be uh, We have to talk about Canada Juniors and uh, talk about a, a topsy-turvy week for the juniors, yeah. Carlo. Uh, that, uh, I'm sure when you watch... Uh, when you watch the World Junior Tournament, brings back lots of memories for you. You were uh, you're a great player on Canada's uh, national junior team back in the early 2000s. Uh, got a great result against the Americans. Uh, Alexis uh, Lafreniere looked fantastic. Uh, was the was the highlight reel in that game? And man, we came crashing back to earth yeah. yesterday. Uh, the game was over almost almost like uh, almost before it began. I looked out to watch the game, was flipping channels. There's a lot of football on, watching football and hockey, uh, watching one with one eye and one with the other eye. And I got to tell you, Carlo, my, when I looked out there, it, it, at point at certain points of the game, it almost looked like men against boys. The, the, the Russians were bigger, stronger, faster than the Canadians. And did I miss something? What happened? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I was kind of shocked. Um, at the result uh, as well, and even just the level of play. Um, you know, the World Juniors is, is a tournament that uh, you don't really have much time, um, you know, because it's a short tournament to uh, to correct uh, m- mistakes, especially mistakes like this one. I mean, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Canada, unfortunately, has to deal with it. It's a very difficult group. Um, they call it the group of death for a reason because there's some really good teams. And uh, right off the bat, usually in, in tournaments past, you have a couple of easier games to start the tournament that can help you uh, build the type of team that you want to build deeper into the tournament. Well, Canada didn't have that luxury this year when they uh, started off with two powerhouses in the U.S. and, and Russia. And uh, in the U.S., again, another slow start, but uh, I like the resiliency that they showed and able to come back in that game and find somewhat of their identity, obviously led by Alex, uh, Alexis Lafreniere, who's, um, you know, looks, and, and who's looked amazing to me. I mean, I, for a guy that I haven't watched at all this year, but seen highlights of and talked to people about, but he was really impressive in game one. And, um, you know, I, I can go back even to the, to the, to the orientation camp that they had in, in Oakville here in Toronto. Um, I, I went to watch a lot of those games and those practices. And to be honest with you, I, I walked away not overly impressed. Um, I think Canada has the luxury of having a lot of great players to choose from, but it, it's about choosing the right players. You got to find the guys that, 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 that can fill the right roles. And, um, I think Canada's still trying to find that right now. You can't have the same guys playing uh, the same way on all four lines. Uh, you've got to have guys that buy into certain roles and accept certain responsibilities. And um, usually, in in a short tournament, you have a you you, you can have certain games to to figure that out. Well, with Canada, you know, with USA and Russia, they haven't been able to do that because they've been they they had to come out and play their A game, and they just look lost out there at times. And um, you would think with the emotional um, effort that they put in against the U.S. that they would be able to uh, 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 rally off of that against the Russians, but clearly the Russians played like the more desperate team, and in all areas of the game, I think they dominated. So uh, a big look, a big uh, a look in the mirror for Canada. Um, you know, they've got to um, a lot of those guys got to check their egos at the door, and um, you know, 
understand that they're playing for the logo on the chest and not the name on the back. And, um, you know, good thing that it happened early in the tournament in the round robin because they're able to uh, make the necessary adjustments. But uh, they've got another tough opponent coming up uh, next game, too. Um, I believe they played uh, Germany. Germany, yeah. Has been a surprise uh, team. And not a surprise to me because I know they have the talent. But that's a team that's going to come out and make your earn every um, inch that you're going to get in the ice on the ice in tomorrow's game. So, um, you know, and they got a question mark in goal too. Who are they going to trust? So there's a lot of question marks with Canada right now. Disappointing effort. Devastating to see what happened to uh, Lafreniere. Let's hope he's, you know, the, the, the report is, is that it's not as bad as initially uh, thought out to be. So he's an important player for them, as we all know, and uh, they definitely need him if, if he's going to be healthy enough to play. Has Calnagate. What's that? Canadian, the Calnagate, the Canadian. Oh, the uh, Canadian player. We went to take his helmet off in the national Russian national. What was this? Uh, Naz, tell us the story on that one. Apparently, I, I think it was a Barrett Hayton. Yeah, Barrett they, Hayton. Um, uh, during the national anthem, was facing the other way. Didn't take his helmet off, and the Russian players, um, you know, didn't they didn't like the lack of respect that they were receiving from him. It's it's a poor choice. Um, you know, you hear the, the the statement that he comes up with afterwards, saying that he let his emotions get the best of him, didn't realize, um, you know, the moment of the game, and apologize for it, which he should. To me, as the captain of the team, you've got to show a little bit more respect uh, than that. Um, you know, to your opponents, to your country, to to a national anthem. I mean, I think it's 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 a well known thing that anytime you hear an anthem, you're supposed to show a sign of respect and take your helmet off. So. I'm not really sure what went through his mind in making a decision like that. Um, but clearly, you know, as a captain of the team and captain of Canada, he's got to, um, you know, understand the the responsibility that comes with it and, um, you know, show more class uh, in a situation like that. And I think he, he recognized that. He apologized for that and good on him for doing that. And um, I just don't think there's any, any, any room in the, in the game for, you know, classless, um, you know, acts like that, and uh, good on him for, and good on Canada for for identifying it, responding it, and uh, moving on from it because that's ultimately what you want to uh, allow players to do is uh, recognize their mistakes, apologize for making it, move on, and be better from it. Uh, I certainly echo those remarks. If I had been Dale Hunter, I probably might have sat him for the first period too. But uh, but he apologized, and I, we give him credit for that. And uh, a learning experience for all, uh, no question. Listen, Carlo, it's always a pleasure having you on. I just uh, want to congratulate you, by the way. We had uh, a little bit of uh, messaging back and forth. Uh, your ratings uh, have have gone up significantly since yeah, uh, in your in your slot, and I want you as as I. Suggested in my text to you, that is of course is uh, attributable to the Naz and Wally effect. Uh, Absolutely, we 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 have we have tremendous influence on uh, on 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 what goes on, and uh, uh, a lot of lucky things happen to a lot of people who come on the show. So uh, all tongue in cheek, Carlo. Uh, all good, man. Hey, listen, I I you're right, man. It's it's because of my presence on this show with you guys. You guys are great. I appreciate the plugs you guys give me all the time, and I always look forward to. to uh, to coming on with you guys uh, when, when when you guys ask. So, uh, 
let's uh let's, let's keep let's here. keep it going uh, and uh forward to uh, chat with you guys again uh, carlo thanks so much and uh thanks for pl- thanks for playing along with the gag a little bit uh good, yeah the show is a great show and we <laughs> highly encourage our listeners to listen to it i listen in every morning so uh we, My pleasure. we, we, we the kind word have a, have a great new year and thanks again for joining us you too guys all the best Car- carlo koliakovo it's uh time for our second break and uh we'll re be right back up to wrap up the year and wrap up the decade. We'll be back shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! We'll never be the snazziest dressed! What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza, stone-baked. The traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Nazar Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. In studio with me this morning, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. On the line, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Uh, Butch, uh, we've got you here today. We've got to take advantage. Uh, Raptors, Celtics. Um, the uh, Celtics uh, took the game on Christmas Day, but uh, the Raptors returned the favor last night. So, uh, nice little result from the Raptors last night, Butch. Nice result. They got out. They got out of the gate. Got off to a good start. Held off the uh, scoring runs by Boston. I thought it was a bad loss by Boston, but um, they were trying to integrate um, Smart in the back end of their lineup. But um, in the two games that I watched, the home and the game last night, uh, clearly. Lack of maturity in Boston's wing players. Um, they should have stepped up to to get a double win. You know, it's uh, you know, there's a golf game we play where you know if you win the hole, you have to par the next hole to validate the bet. And um, you know, Boston, it was a chance for them to validate who they were. They'd beaten the Raptors opening night in Boston, so it was a chance for them to double down on the Christmas win. And the Christmas win. Toronto got off to a 10-0 start and then really play bad and get outscored 28-9 the rest of the quarter. And um, so um, great win for Toronto. Um, I'm not sure that's who they are, but in their 10 losses, I think eight of them, they did not win the first quarter. Um, I think they're 20-3 and three if they win the first quarter or tied. So, you know, they're, they know which direction they have to go, but right now there's a direct correlation between even before the injuries that if they don't play well in the first quarter, um, it can be a struggle for them. Ness? Uh, the player, Chris Boucher, looks very impressive. You liked him from the beginning. Yeah, I told you, you know, they had him coming, and we've watched him since he was in uh, AAU or high school in Montreal, followed him to junior college. Um, you know, he's just one of those long athletes I always liked. And, you know, he's he is 27 years old, so he's older. But I, I think the kid's got seven or eight more years as a backup center um, because he is one of the few uh, kids in the NBA that the NBA made a rule change called the rule of verticality. That you, If you're in the restricted, that circle, if you're in that circle, if you jump straight up, or lean back, all right? You own that air right all the way to the ceiling, to the roof of the building, all right? So most young players are not developed because they're not, they don't explain it. And you're, you go in there, all right? And Boucher's in there and he jumps. If you jump into him, there's no foul. So it's a wasted possession. But he really benefits from his athletic ability. Uh, he seems, to be continuously improving. I just think he's a big asset as a backup. Uh, Raptors have had some injuries, um, which is, you know, you, you're not going to go through a whole season without injuries, but they've had some injuries to some really key personnel um, over the course of their season. And they're still, uh, you know, which has given an opportunity for some of the uh, guys who don't get a lot of court time to step up, and I, I, I don't know if it's a surprise, Butch, but uh, some of the guys have stepped up, have taken their games and filled in and and done extremely well and kept the Raptors in the thick of the discussion 
which, you know, if they ever get healthy um, from here forward, uh, hopefully at playoff time, they've got a pretty significant bench they can lean on too. Yeah, it's they have depth. But I think the key is if Kyle Lowry's playing well, the rest of them follow. If Lowry's playing well, he, he's such a, a, a nuisance that he's going to draw more than, than one defender. Um, when he's not playing well, in other words, when he's not making shots, he, he, can, he can be a negative because he will continuously try to get himself involved in the game. But the current NBA game is about making shots and the Raptors being good on defense and then uh, being one of the top five teams on the fast break. They finish in a fast break either through a score for a layup with a Euro step or they pull up and make a three-point shot. So they, they have the building blocks that are there to always be good on what good teams do. Um, there is a direct correlation uh, with them losing to them not playing well in the first quarter. But if, if Kyle gets off to a good start and he's not required to handle the ball but just catch and shoot and, and do less of the point guard duties, um, they're going to be good. And and not many franchises have been better than the Raptors the last six years. You know, they've just really been good. They they win the games they're supposed to. They go on the road and win games. They win games against the West. You know, they've been very good. Uh, Naz, I want to take the opportunity with a subject we haven't talked about very little this year. And uh, uh, the Jays made a splash. You know, you're a big Jays guy. And uh, they signed a new pitcher. Uh, I've still got to learn how to pronounce his name. Ryu. Ryu. Uh, He's uh, L.A. Dodgers, I believe, second in Cy Young voting last year. Uh, $20 million a year for four year, uh, four years, $80 million investment, largest free agent pitching signing in Blue Jays history. When, when I say that, I mean in terms of salary. They've never paid a free agent pitcher this much ever before. Um, your analysis. It made it sound like, from the media, it made it sound like they're going to have a challenge for the AL East now because they had this picture. There's a lot of holes on that team still. I think it's good that they signed them and put out the money for them, but they got a long way to go. I mean, uh, the one part of it uh, that, they, that they talk about, I mean, the kid, the kid, he's 33 years old, and there's a risk there. He's Korean. Uh, we have a large uh, Korean community in the, in the greater Toronto area. That my guess is he's based on early reports and what I've seen, he's very personable, uh, very, very media presence, very media savvy. Uh, he, it just seems like a friendly guy. He's got that yeah, jovial nice look. Yeah. Seems like a genuinely nice guy. And I think that part of it is going to go over very well here. And, you know, you're investing this kind of money. If you're putting more warm bodies, and uh, you put more seats in the in the building. You know, you get you get your return on your investment that way too, as well, Butch. Yeah, I, I just think at the end of the day, um, baseball is a sport because of the extensive season. You're going to need more than one really good starting pitcher, especially in the American League East. And uh, he's never pitched in the American League, hmm. so you know there's going to be. Uh, I don't. I've always said, you know, you need to sign players to win games and. People get focused on the money. It, what difference does it make to be paying twenty million or two million if he doesn't win games? You know, if he could, if he could put together a nice record and, and stabilize the pitching staff, then I think Montoya is really good. 
And but Montoya, you know, he doesn't hit or run or pitch. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any problems with the signing. I mean, it's not my money. You know, these guys down there, they got all the money in the world. They can spend it. They sign the checks. You know, like when when they criticize what they pay athletes, I, I don't even know why we bother because right. it's uh, it's not my it's not my check. Right. I mean, and if I don't, if it, the game's too expensive, I choose not to go. So you know, good for. Uh, Good for the Jays. They went, you know, to spend. But it, you know, here's the risk with this guy. He's 33 years old. From 2014 to 2018, he was constantly hurt. Only averaged 73 innings a year during those four years. And last year, he managed to squeeze out 182 innings, which is way beyond his average. And he got his one big year and he cashed out. God bless him. But an $80 million roll of the dice – uh for uh, hopefully the arm holds up and hopefully the smile works wonders. Hey, Naz, Walter just killed your guy, man. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Here, here, here's another one. To, uh, you got talk. 30 seconds left, Naz. <laughs> David Price looks like he, they're circling in on him coming back. Oh, please. What do you guys think? <laughs> you think, well, everything's a good thing at the right price. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not my money. Yeah, but I, you know, best thing best thing Jays ever did was letting the Sox sign David Price for $32 million or whatever they signed him for, for, for eternity. It would have cost them over $200 million. Which well, ten got, seconds? You, you, you got to have guys that can eat innings. I don't, I <laughs> Anyways, mean. I got to cut you off. And this guy can't eat innings, by the way. By the way, I, I, it's the end of the sea, end of the year, end of the decade. They're going to kill me here because I'm running ten seconds too long. Thanks, Pizzaville. Thanks, KPMG Enterprise. Thanks, Real Media Tours. Thanks, Alt Infinity. Thanks, Rigabon Carly. Thanks, Butch Carter. Thanks, Naz Marchese. We love doing this. Who knows where we'll be 10 years from now. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.